You're about to listen to a We Are LA Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Hi, this is Carrie Ransom, founder of Operate. We're a venture studio that's investing in early stage founders to help them build Dent the Universe companies with particular focus here on Southern California entrepreneurs. We're based here in Costa Mesa. We have an office, we have, we've set it up as almost like a co-work type space. And we always want, if they're willing, we want our founders to be in and around us as much as they're willing or, or able to be in those early stages. You can just iterate and learn in physical proximity at a much faster rate. And I have a very strong bias to that. I've also scaled companies that are multi-office, multi-node, mixture of in-person offices and totally virtual. And so as you evolve and grow, I think there are a lot of different ways you can do it. I love Southern California because I think you have such diversity and richness of talent, you could build a company across the entire Southland and maybe you have headquarters somewhere and you could end up with five other offices and you could get really interesting cross-pollination where people are, are interacting different days of the week in different places. And I think you're providing even some hybrid lifestyle opportunities to people. And so I feel like we have all of that potential here. And so we can support people in almost any incarnation of how they want to work. What does it look like to apply, to operate, to pitch operate? What guidance would you give someone in order to approach you? And what should their expectations be if it all does work out and the dotted line gets signed? (laughs) We're always happy to introduce prospective founders to our companies and the, the founders that we already work with. We are still, as I said, each case is still unique. And I think that will hopefully persist. Um, I look at each startup as almost like a snowflake or some unique entity that's a, a puzzle we're trying to help them put together and just be helpful in that process. But really, we're entrepreneurs that have been in their shoes. And so we try to just have a little bit more objective view, but we want to help them have a a sounding board, whether that's for emotional support or strategic support or, or any element. And so at a high level, that's sort of how I think about it. So coming in, we're going to engage really deeply in understanding who they are, why they're doing this, what mark they're aiming to make on the world. And you know, one of the key characteristics that we seek are lovable founders, you know, lovability can have a lot of different forms. But our view is we're going to get up every day trying to make them and their company more awesome. And that's what we want to be excited to do. And so the more lovable they are, the more 
excited and motivated we are to invest that time and attention every day. And so we typically have a process where we really understand them, what they're trying to do. Do we love the market space that they're trying to do it in? And then we're pretty self-actualized. And so we're willing to look at our own experience and capability and say, are we going to be truly strategically helpful here? Are we going to almost give ourselves unfair advantage? Hey, this is Elizabeth Dell, founder of Amorous, the romance intimacy app for couples out of Koreatown. Actually, I think my why is so much your why too. It's I love human connection. I love people. I love the ability to create relationships and vulnerability and intimacy and to see the humanity in other people. And I think there is nothing more empowering than pleasure. There is something so when you express a desire to a partner and the partner wants that and helps you achieve that and you have pleasure as a result, it's remarkably, it's like revolutionary. It's And it's incredibly empowering because it says you deserve pleasure in the world. You deserve space. You like people honor you. People hear you. People want the things that you have to say and express and be in the world. And that's just, we all deserve that, that, and I want to help people find it. Like, you know, sometimes it is finding it in the most delicious moments that then you have the sort of insight, oh, well then I should be able to find this in all of the other moments too. I am deserving of this as I walk through the world in every way, shape and form, but I'm especially deserving of this with the people that I love most. But also, I just love, like, I, I love passion. I love sexuality. I love these spaces. I love the humanity that is all of us. So I want to share that with as many people as possible. I love the humanity that is all of us. I love that line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's next for you? Where where would you like Amherst to go? Where would you like you to go in, in being a founder now? Um, are you applying to accelerators? Are you trying to raise money? Like, where where what's next? I feel like I'm always applying for some accelerator or another and trying to, to find the people and the institutions that are going to support us on this journey. I'm definitely fundraising. You know, we are wrapping up a first friends and family raise and I'm about to embark in the next couple of months on kind of the proper venture fundraise process and finding partners who want to be with that and who are really excited about, you know, romance tech and that there is this whole other market after dating, only 30% of us are single, 70% of us are in relationships. And so there's this incredible opportunity there for people to connect with their people for all of their lives. And so, but as I said, the challenge of what we do is that it is intimacy and pleasure. And so finding the people who want to champion that, who are comfortable with that, that's certainly something I'm always doing. So far, we're only iPhone. Uh, Part of the fundraise process is to enable us to go to platform and to be able to be Android as well. But right now we are iPhone only or iOS, I should say, iOS only. But yeah, I mean, listen, my, my vision, I think we should be on more phones than dating apps. There are more people in relationships. We should be on more phones than dating apps. I want a world in which... HBO has some sex comedy and they're making a joke and two people stare at a phone and someone goes, oh, my God, can you believe they sent that? Do we think we're on Amorous? 
and the camera never has to show what's on that phone, everybody watching HBO gets that joke because everybody knows that you have Amherst on your phone. Like, you should be a sexy person in the world. So, of course, you have the app for sexy things. And what you do on that is your own darn business. But, like, you are a grown-up and you believe in pleasure and you have healthy relationships and you are a sexy goddess. So, of course, you do that with Amherst. Yeah, that's that's my vision. Hi, this is Rob Ryan, founder of Growth Hacks, building bridges between Latin America and Los Angeles, coming to you live from Koreatown. Yeah, so I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to slice it, right? So in the U.S., in the in the the verbiage we use to describe things, some people, not all, by the way, like the descriptor Latinx. So it's essentially Latino or Latina, but with an X, so it's kind of gender neutral, and that has taken a, a life of its own. Although I will say now. April 2021, there's a big kind of pushback from the Latina and Latino communities and entrepreneurial communities here in LA and throughout the US, as I think the communities have grown and become more self-empowered to start to say like, that's silly. Like that's what, you know, white folks wanted to call us. Like we're fine with Latino or Latina. So it's been like an interesting evolution that I've watched, but in the broader context with our business being in Latin America, or as I shortened to say LATAM, the funny thing is they don't use that descriptor. So I would always toggle back and forth. Like I was rarely home in the last five years here in LA, but when I would be, and I would meet someone, I would be like, oh, we work with like Latin X founders. And the persons here would be like, yeah, it totally makes sense. Then I would like slip when I'd be in Guadalajara or Mexico city or Buenos Aires. And I would talk about Latin X entrepreneurial economy. And they would say to me like, what, like that, what do you, what is that? I don't even understand that. Is that a word? Because I was making up a word and they were. And so, so there was this disconnect culturally between the two, but yeah, it's a huge reality, as we know, going forward in the U.S. as a country, demographically, right? By 2044, I think it is, we will be a minority-majority country, right? We will be a country that will be predominantly brown and black, um, which I think is fantastic. Like, we're evolving. This is great. And progressively, we'll also have more women in charge of things by then, which is awesome <laughs> as well. But that reality juxtaposed against kind of like our own economic realities we live in, and then the growth of Latin America which is a huge region, although made up up by 33 different countries, all of which who had their own little dialects and versions of Spanish and stuff like that. It's not just all what we see in the media. Like I say, everybody on the other side of the wall is the same. Like, no, not even close. That would be no, no more so than everybody in LA is the same as New York or Chicago or Iowa or Florida, right? It's very different um, as a region, but there's a, there's a growing opportunity because there's a lot of economic growth in the region. And then particular to Los Angeles, there's a unique opportunity because we are such a confluence of cultures here, right? I mean, the state is a country in and of itself in many ways, and particularly from a Spanish-speaking Latin slash Mexican-influenced type of culture here, a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people here, especially our very successful Mexican-American business people in LA, know that Los Angeles would be the second largest city based on Mexican population, citizens, in Mexico, after Mexico City, because there are about 2.6 million Mexican Americans living here in Los Angeles. And then there are another million and a half or so Spanish speaking people from all other Spanish cultures and Central American countries, South American countries, even Spain. 
The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production.